Drilling Thief. I'm your host, John Kingston. First, I want to apologize for not having any addition last week. I'm sure that disappointed my brother-in-law, Chris, who listens regularly. He might be the only one. Uh, but we had some scheduling issues, and it just didn't happen. Oh, and let me remind you that we call it Drilling Deep because we talk about oil here, and you need to drill to get oil, hence Drilling Deep. We also drill deep with our guest of the week. This week, it's Dan Abrahamson. He's the CEO of CoverWhale. He's a head of an insurance tech company. He focuses completely on trucking, and he's here to talk about some of what's going on with insurance today, including an impact on it from AB5. We've talked a few times here on Drilling Deep about natural gas and why diesel markets need to watch it closely. The primary reason is that natural gas use in industrial applications, including the generation of electricity, can be substituted for by diesel. That generally has not been an issue for about 15 years, given the mostly depressed price of natural gas. But it's becoming an issue now with natural gas prices around the world at levels we haven't seen in either a long time, like in the U.S., or maybe we haven't seen them ever, as in the international market for liquefied natural gas and in some of the pipeline numbers in Europe. But there's another aspect of this that needs to be mentioned here, and that's sulfur. Diesel is a fuel that naturally has a lot of sulfur in it. The world has been moving to remove a lot of that sulfur from the fuels for environmental reasons. And the most obvious example of that is the fact that the diesel you put in your trucks is known formally as ULSD, ultra-low sulfur diesel. We've also discussed how the international rule to significantly reduce sulfur emissions in marine fuels that began in 2020, it was called, it was, and is called IMO 2020, that rule is only now starting to have the impact we saw, or I shouldn't say we saw coming, we expected a few years ago. But we never really got the test of that, of that diesel crisis due to the new marine fuels law, because we had the pandemic. And a lot of people, including me, believe that now it's becoming a big factor. We've seen some crazy days recently when the price of ULSD on the CME Commodity Exchange has been rising while the price of crude oil and gasoline falls. Over time, you'd eventually expect them to rise or fall roughly in tandem. But what's been notable is that on some of the biggest days for natural gas, diesel has soared right alongside it. But it isn't just LNG prices that we're watching. A European natural gas benchmark known as the Dutch TTF price has been near record levels this week. Why does all this matter? Not just because of substitution, like I discussed earlier, but also because of desulfurization. The desulfurization process generally uses hydrogen, but hydrogen doesn't exist in nature on its own. It needs to be separated from whatever other element it is bonded to. An obvious example of this is good old H2O. In a process called steam reforming, hydrogen is separated from oxygen and water, and the hydrogen is used to desulfurize diesel. But you need some form of energy to extract that hydrogen, and that is where natural gas comes in. In a process known as reforming, natural gas ends up producing hydrogen. You don't need to know much more than that, and it would take somebody a lot smarter than me to fully address how it gets done. But the main thing you need to know as a diesel consumer is that in addition to substituting diesel for natural gas, another link between natural gas prices and diesel prices is that need for hydrogen to desulfurize diesel and that need for natural gas to get the hydrogen. A week ago, diesel was about $1.35 to $1.40 per gallon more expensive than Brent crude oil in the futures markets. Even at that level, it was way, way beyond historic norms. As of midweek this week, 
it was up to about $1.60 per gallon. That's why more and more, I think that European natural gas prices and international LNG prices are the most important commodity prices in the world right now. More than probably ever in recent history, they are the tail that's wagging the dog. We're going to move on now to our guest of the week here on Drilling Deep. Uh, in my prior job before freight waves, I was with S&P Global and I worked with the chief economist. And one thing that was popping up on the radar because ratings insurers are very much part of what S&P does was the rise of technology insurance startups that were going to revolutionize the business. Uh, that's why I got interested in CoverWhale when I received an email about them from a media representative. They seem to be one of those companies. And not only that, they were specializing in trucking. And in the, the introduction said that they would have something to say about AB5. And given that I'm the Freightways point person on the coverage of AB5, I thought that this interview just had to happen. So joining us today is Dan Abrahamson. He's the CEO of CoverWell. Love that name, Dan. Uh, welcome to Drilling Deep. Thank you, John. No, it's a pleasure to be here. And thanks for having me on. Right, can you define what is insure tech? That is the term I think that your company would fall under. You know, we have fintech, we have freight tech. I think that you would consider yourself an insure tech company. Talk about what defines insure tech and then talk about what CoverWell does. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's kind of very, you know, for those who follow insure tech or the movement, right? I think it's very topical right now what insure tech is or maybe where it's going, right? So I, I think of it in a way of defining like how do we how do we take the fundamentals of insurance uh, while still using maybe more technology or a more progressive approach to technology than that you don't typically see in the industry. So trying to infuse technology uh, into the insurance process uh, a bit more than you might see with your traditional you know, traditional insurance carriers. Uh, for us, that means how do we do things more efficiently? Uh, everything from as, as simply as like distributing and selling our products online easily. Um, but more so in the sense of how do we use technology to improve safety, right? In, in a way that's part of what insurance is all about, right? Safer operation leads to lower lower insurance costs, leads to better outcomes for our customers. So Dan, tell me, CoverWell, is, is CoverWell primarily focused on trucking or is that just one of the things that, that it does? Yeah, so uh, today we are 100% focused on on trucking um, and, and really transportation. So, or I could say more broadly, commercial auto. Uh, today, that does look like our, our portfolio, uh, nearly 100% trucking, um, a lot of local, or sorry, a lot of owner operator, uh, smaller accounts in our in our fleets is, is really what we focus on. Um, we have plans to expand to more commercial auto a little bit more broadly. That's something that you're, you're going to be seeing from us towards the end of the year. Uh, and earlier into next year. But today, the trucking is on, your focus is on trucking. We, we love trucking. We love truckers. Uh, and we love the, the business that they're in. And, and we appreciate, I think, a lot of the challenges and that they that they kind of face every day. Well, how does a sort of more, high, I hate to call it high tech, but uh, a more technology-focused offering reach a truck driver? You know, an independent owner-operator who's basically maybe been buying their coverage through a traditional broker for years. How do you reach them? Yeah. So, I mean, our distribution model, like maybe coming back to insure tech a bit, uh, we're, we're focused clearly on the commercial line side of things. Um, our distribution model, despite being insure tech, uh, is to work with with our, our producer network. That's agents and, and, and wholesalers as well. So we, we distribute through uh, the current broker or agent, right, that the, the trucker may already work with. Uh, they're working with CoverWell today. 
Um, so we, we do work with agents and brokers. We love that model. We think it we think it's right for not only us, but also uh, the customer uh, who is the driver. All right. So what does the technology aspect do if they're still working with a traditional human broker? Sure. So I'd, I'd say brokers love us. Agents love us. Right. Uh, speed and ease of use. Right. So in about two and a half minutes, we like to say they can get a, a bindable or purchasable uh, quote from Coverwell. Uh, so we make it real quick and easy. Um getting them what they need to present a accurate quote to their potential potential driver who's looking for insurance. Um, we do that at competitive terms. Uh, we do that with some nice value-added services. Uh, we, we've got some great payment options. Uh, so all drivers, for the most part, are going to wind up financing their policy. Uh, we're doing things to help them manage their cash flow, lower down payments, uh, spreading those the loan payment out over, over the year, really trying to help them manage cash flow. Uh, which is a win-win for for the agent, uh, for the driver as well, um, in addition to speed and ease of use. So the actual policy itself um, would still be coming from a traditional insurer, which makes sense. Uh, And so the cost of it would probably be the same. But if you can cut down some of the... uh, some of the logistics costs of this, then then there's a benefit to all sides. Is is that that kind of a summation of, of your value proposition? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. We, we have we have about you know eight carrier partners now uh, on the Coverwell platform. Uh, so we're matching not only matching up right the the submission to the best market. Uh, it's really making it a bit easier for for agents that they can access multiple markets through our platform a lot more quickly. Um, so I'd say that that's kind of the upfront piece of what I, I think one of the first pieces of value add for Coverwell is is that speed and ease of use. Uh, on the back end, I'd say our services come with, or the policy comes with, pretty robust risk management and, and loss control um, built in. So for drivers that have never had this before, or you know, maybe they've never been exposed to these programs because they haven't driven for a larger fleet or it's been a long time, uh, we're providing a lot of these services on risk management that that you might see in a larger fleet, but we're providing that down to you know even the single truck owner operator um, policy with us. Now let's define, you use the term carrier partners, and in this field, a carrier would generally mean somebody behind the yeah, wheel. Sorry, so I think in, in, your, in your case, you mean a carrier partner, being an actual yes. insurer, right? Yes, yes. Uh, confusing choice of words. So yeah, I, I mean the insurance company um, okay. as a carrier here, but yeah, let's go with insurance company. <laughs> All right. So you, you have eight. The universe of potential insurance, we'll call them providers here. Is a lot bigger than eight. What's, what are some of the resistance points in companies not being willing to sign up? Uh, so as as an agent or an insurance company? Sorry. Let's yeah. say an insurance company. Well, it could be both, actually. We can, we, you can handle both. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I really think uh, as, as an insurance company, we're, we're making a lot of progress there. I mean, eight based on our, you know, the day we, we started, right? Uh, eight's a pretty, you know, humbly impressive number. Um, we think that this is something that resonates with a, a lot of our insurance company partners, the way we're approaching it. Um, it's it's not just about charging high rates, right? It's really about trying to produce better driving and help dri- help drivers operate more safely on the road, which is again a win win for the insurance company. They they know that that's a it's going to help them reduce claims, and our drivers know that that's going to help them save money on insurance. So it's really about a little bit more of like that glue in the partnership together that we're providing, bringing bringing together insurance companies uh, and drivers that that have a mutual kind of interest in safety and they, they all benefit from that. So uh, we, we have interest from a number of carriers, um, insurance companies, sorry, that want to get on the platform. Uh, so we'll be continuing to add, add insurance companies uh, over time, right? 
again, it's a win-win for agents and drivers, right? We're, we're getting access to companies that maybe they have a different appetite. Uh, so really just trying to find a home for that risk, no matter, no matter what we see kind of come through the submission. Let's talk about safety. That's an interesting point. Uh, you know, I think of your, your offering a little bit, I know of it, um, as being primarily trying to, serving as kind of a digital broker type of thing. But you're saying it's got some very practical benefits to it. How, how does, how does CoverWell aid in safety? Yeah, so buying a policy from CoverWell uh, comes built in uh, with our, our risk management kind of coaching solutions. Uh, there's a component that includes, uh, it does include a dual-facing AI camera. Um, I think a few years ago, that was a little bit more scary to some drivers than it is today. Um, so we've got a lot of education around that, what that what that camera is and isn't. Um, it's really an event recorder. So it has to detect something like an accident in, in order for any sort of video to be stored and sent to us, which I think is one of the key questions that we get from from drivers is about privacy and their privacy. So we're uh, we're very, I'd say, aware of that and and doing a lot on the educational front, really just to you know, show them how this is being used and more importantly, how it's not being used. So that's one piece of it. But we, we create a, a coaching and feedback loop for drivers um, that really helps them understand how their you know, choices behind the wheel uh, would be able to impact their, you know, something which is a large expense for all drivers, their, their insurance pricing. Um, there's certainly a, a large proportion of drivers that we're seeing. It's well over 90%, something like 91% of our insureds, we believe are good drivers. That's, that's amazing. Um, you've got something like about nine percent or so in our in our kind of data where where they need some additional help, and and that's kind of where we really kick in uh, to to work with those drivers to try to let them know like, hey, these these driving choices are likely going to lead to higher insurance price, and not even just that, likely going to lead to an accident. And we, we've got the numbers and kind of facts that can kind of back that up, and. You know, it's really resonating, I think, to, to everybody that we work with, e- even the owner operators who, again, maybe that's a little bit more than they're, than they're used to having um, in terms of you know, that, that feedback. But uh, I'd say most people are appreciative of it and they understand what we're trying to do and that we're kind of in this together. And, and really, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to help them. Uh, the camera component, which it's still worth maybe explaining real quick, right? Um, most of the time, I'd say the majority of time, like accidents, it's not always the commercial driver's fault. Actually, the, the math kind of shows that most of the time, it's not it's not entirely the commercial driver's fault, yeah, but I mean, they're the, often the, blamed. The number that I've heard is about 15%, maybe, <laughs> is the driver's fault, the truck driver's fault. And the rest of it, you can usually, uh, yeah, but you can, you, you usually chalk up to some bad auto driver. And, and look, so so we're seeing it, right? Like, you know, claims and accidents happen, but we are seeing even in our, our own kind of uh, experience here that a lot of times, so the drivers, maybe you were hesitant to get a dash camera. All it takes is one one accident or one incident uh, where we can kind of say like, yeah, we, we see what happened. Sorry you were involved in that. But like, here's the video to prove that, you know, it wasn't your fault or it was really mostly the fault of the other driver. Um, it can kill their business, right? So one accident, right, make, make them uninsurable for most insurance companies. And it'd be a, a shame to have that happen when it's not their fault. But, you know, you have to be able to prove it. And this is helping us kind of defend drivers in a way that uh, is pretty quick and as, as fast as we can do that. And that video really helps us do that. And any driver that's kind of had that happen to them, I, I think they've immediately kind of see the benefits to that. Um, so it's, it's kind of our ongoing education to just try to highlight 
what we're doing with it, but it's really to protect our drivers. Yeah, I, I, one, one number that I don't understand is why camera penetration in the cab is not 100%. But anyway, um, let's talk about the cost of insurance because that's been a real big issue. It's really been an issue on both sides because on the one side, drivers will tell you that their insurance costs have been going through the roof the past few years. And meanwhile, the commercial insurers will tell you that they're not making a dime off of insurance these days. I don't know if you would agree with that, but I, I mean, I have heard that statement made. I, I did a story a while back on a report from AM Best which essentially said that, that the commercial vehicle uh, business has been just rotten for several years. So do you have any positive words for drivers who continue to face higher premiums? And nor do you have any words of positivity for the insurers who are not making any money? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's clearly like a complex topic with a lot of different parties involved and a lot of different reasons, right? So I think in the past few years, I'll talk a little insurance here for you, sorry, but past few years, right, we've seen through COVID, a lot of the loss ratios for insurance companies stabilize, uh, which is on the surface a good thing. Um, but the trend is kind of expected to reverse now that there's more people back on the roads and there have been. So some of the insurance kind of reporting data, there's kind of a lag to kind of get it all out there and, and public. Um, but the general expectation is that, you know, that stability that we saw through the pandemic for the insurance company side is not really expected to last. So it's kind of like, now what? Um, I'd see profitability to the insurer. Like, it, it's hard sometimes for a driver to be like, well, I don't care, but here, here's the here's the rub. Like, unfortunately, that just means they're going to raise rates. And part of that insurance business model that I, I think few people are really, you know, exposed to is the insurance company. At the end of the day, like, it's it's a very small percentage of of revenue that they're trying to make. Um, I've worked at insurance companies where they're really trying to make like less than five percent, keeps them happy. So I think most drivers can kind of understand that, that there's some expectation of a margin, but just to sit and say, hey, rates are going up and you know, that's going to be driven from the losses and the experience that's happening out there on the road. And for us, there's two ways to contain that, right? We can be more efficient. And by that, I mean, like reducing some of the overhead that your, your traditional legacy insurers have. Um, that's also a key driver, right? You've got the loss ratio component is what they pay out in claims. And then their other expenses are their internal overhead. So CoverWell and most insure tax are kind of like trying to reduce and attack that you know, legacy overhead, which you know reduces the the amount of, of I guess revenue that an insurance company can make, thereby driving up insurance pricing. So we're trying to produce efficiency there. And the second part is like, how do we reduce claims? Right? How do we take this you know a, a population of drivers that drive with CoverWell? Uh, try to prove that they're safer drivers than on average you might find with other insurance companies. And how do we use that as a tool to reduce pricing for good drivers, especially over time? So that's the piece that that CoverWell and, and team is working on. I'd say that's that's our secret sauce is really putting together this this narrative that's backed by data to show that you know our program works and that drivers that participate in it operate their vehicle more safely. It's reducing claims payments that insurance companies have to make. And you know, all that leads through to insurance companies can reduce prices when all that's happening. That means the driver can save more money. For an owner-operator, you know, every dollar saved goes directly to their pocket. They can spend that however they want. They can take a vacation with their family or, or really just have more breathing room to operate their business and kind of live their life. And, and that's that's part of our mission. And we take that you know, really seriously here that like safer driving is, is going to make the driver's lives better. Now, I mentioned at the top of the uh, top of the interview here that the thing that caught my eye when your 
representative contacted me was the reference to AB5. And I was trying to think about how what you do might be tied to AB5. The one, the one thing I could come up with is that one of the quote-unquote solutions, if it works, uh, is for a lot of people who are now leased to a carrier to instead go over to, to get their own authority and then have freight brokered into them. The problem with that is that they can't just get their own authority. They also have to get their own insurance because they're driving now under the company's insurance. Uh, what are the other impacts on truck insurance? Well, you talk about that, but any other impacts on truck insurance that you can see from AB5? Yeah, I mean, I think this is another one where, like, hope you can tell, but like we, we think of the driver like daily, right? So I think this is another one that, you know, we're here to support the driver. We could clearly help support them in their needs for insurance, should that be a route that that the industry kind of pushes towards. But I think at the end of the day, right, we realize that most drivers don't view this as a win, despite, I think, what you know California's best intentions may be at the legislation level to kind of protect uh, you know, individuals, I, I think it's clear that like you do need to talk to the drivers and it, it's not something that they're welcoming, I think, in the way that California thought they might. Um, so, yeah, the impact to them is right now they're getting insurance from, you know, I'll use the carrier, I think, in the right sense here. They're getting they're getting their insurance to the carrier that they drive for today. Um as you can imagine in most things, right? Like they've got hundreds or thousands of vehicles at times in those fleets. Uh, they may also be self-insuring. All, all that means is that the cost of the, the fleet, the carrier's insurance per truck is likely to be much less uh, than what somebody going out on their own would wind up paying in the market. So we're, we're sympathetic to it. We want to be able to, if this is a scenario that, you know, we can step up and help in, we want to be able to get these drivers the best pricing. You know, we want to be able to look to, potentially their experience driving with that fleet to count towards more years in business, right? And I mean that as a way to reduce, these are these are factors that insurance companies traditionally look at. Uh, a newer venture, it's kind of common common knowledge, I think, for any driver is going to pay the most money. So how do we, how do we help drivers if this is what it comes to? But like, yeah, we're, we're doing a lot on our side and also working with insurance companies that, that we work with today to try to get some leniency on how we view a driver that could potentially be needing their own insurance now, but previously has been working, you know, maybe, maybe many years at this point in, in the industry. So they, they shouldn't necessarily be treated uh, as a brand new startup or a newer driver. Let me ask you real quick, because it's only time for one more question. I know that it's going to vary a lot among drivers, but let's say I was a driver now under a lease in California and I wanted to go and get my own authority. Can you give me a figure on what an average uh, insurance premium bill might be for a year? Yeah, so it's definitely a tough one. I mean, I, I'll, I'll take I'll take the risk, though, John, or give a little <laughs> bit of a range, right? So, of course, like here, here's the the classic caveats, right? It's going to depend on a number of factors, right? You know, where where they're located, even like right, a geography, a county, where they drive, are they local and long haul, right? Uh, you know, driver age, years experience, all of that. So that's kind of my caveat. But I get I get people want to hear some real numbers, right? Um, I, I think right now we're kind of seeing ranges on average in California. Uh, it's probably on the low side, twelve thousand uh, dollars, and on the high side, like we we clearly see. I'd say maybe stick to what we're selling. Like we're seeing rates, you know, that that are eighteen thousand for a package of insurance for the year. So it, that's a wide range, I know. But again, like it's it's an average, I'd say, of around fifteen thousand, uh, which well, is expensive. I mean I mean, the number that I've heard is that to get your own authority now would cost at least 20. And you can see just based on your numbers that insurance is a big part of that. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think California is a tricky state in and of itself, right? A lot of insurance companies are pulling back. That's not helping rates, right? Rates are continuing to go up. Uh, there's a lot happening that like most, most drivers are aware of, like what, what progressives kind of doing, um, which in the owner operator space, they're, they're one of the, you know, the main providers of insurance and they're pulling out in many ways of, of what they kind of serve in California. So it's not, it's not helping the rate pressures, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm speaking to you before, like these are kind of the things that we're working on with our current partners to try to get some rate relief for any newer ventures that are especially considering getting their own insurance if they've been driving with a larger fleet. Well, I do want to thank Dan Abrahamson, the CEO of Coverwell, for sharing those views with us here today on Drilling Deep, both on AB5 and the insurance market in, in general. Dan, thanks for joining us. John, thank you. No, it's been a pleasure and I uh, appreciate you reaching out. Uh, you have been listening to Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts. And if all you've been doing is listening to Drilling Deep, you should know that there's only going to be one more episode, um, one more edition. I'll say episode sounds like it's all fake. One more edition of Drilling Deep that is just audio. We are going to video. We will be part of Freightwaves TV after the U.S. Labor Day weekend. Really excited about that. We do have one more uh, audio podcast next week. That's Mike Roth of the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. Always great having Mike on. He's got a lot of good things to say. Uh, I've been your host, John Kingston, here on Drilling Deep. And please join us again. 